Today, I'm speaking with Tracy Scheuer. Tracy is an online entrepreneur who is living her dream life. She helps women get out of tech overwhelm and launch their business or products into the world. And she's traveling North America with her husband in a motorhome. Now, you're going to learn that creating this dream life was not for the faint-hearted. In our interview, Tracy shares about the challenge and unexpected fear she experienced as they drove away from their old life and how it almost derailed everything. Of course, she's glad that didn't happen. And as you listen, she's going to inspire you to go after your dreams. You're listening to The Inspired Wave, stories of everyday heroines, real life inspiration. I'm your host, transformational coach and connection catalyst, CJ Rivard. Join me weekly to hear real life inspiration and tips for tackling your life's challenges. Each week you'll hear from a relatable woman who shares about her struggles and the tools she used to work through them. By being women of courageous action, vision, and ongoing evolution, each of us can create a ripple of positive impact. And together, we'll create a wave of change. Join us. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm so excited to introduce you to Tracy Scheuer. Did I get that right? Scheuer. That's right and learn a little bit about her story, because I personally find it very inspiring. So this is going to be fun. And Tracy, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So to start with, you all heard that she has the RV life now. So we need to hear where Tracy is right now and how that's going. Yeah. So at this moment, I happen to be in downtown Las Vegas. Um, which is really odd to see bright flashing lights around me all the time. Because just a week ago, I was at the Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta, International Balloon Fiesta, which is something I highly recommend, but it's completely different than Vegas. And so um, I'm having a little culture shock right now. I was surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of hot air balloons a week ago, and now I'm surrounded by neon lights and people walking down the street with crazy clothes on. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a little different. I would imagine as you continue, you're always switching locations. There's probably a lot of that, like, wait a minute, where am I? (laughs) There's a lot of waking up and wondering where, yeah, where, where are we? Where am I? What time zone am I in? And it's funny because sometimes that'll happen to you if you go on vacation and you wake up in a new hotel room, but it's really disorienting when you wake up in your own bed and you don't know where you are because you've moved. (laughs) And so, or we'll wake up and say, wait, where are we going today? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I could totally see that. That keeps you on your toes. It does. (laughs) Great. Such an adventure. So Tracy, I think you had a favorite quote you were going to share with us to get us started. I do. It's anonymous. I did some research, couldn't figure out who said this, but it's, it feels good to be lost in the right direction. And I love it because it not only goes with travel, right? So if we know that we're getting, we're headed, you know, down the trail to the right location and we're going the right direction, the journey is part of the fun. It doesn't really matter exactly how we get there. But it also, I think, is a really fitting quote for life because a lot of times we know in our minds where we want to go, but there might be a sidetrack or a challenge or something that just is not what we planned and we're feeling a little lost or challenged. But as long as we keep moving in the right direction, we're going to get there. 
And it's just a matter of keeping your eye on where you're going. I love that. Yeah, I love that analogy because, yeah, sometimes we hit twists and turns, but you do want to know your goal and direction so you don't go backwards. I use exactly. <laughs> yep. Don't yeah. go backwards necessarily. Super. Thank you. So why, why don't you tell us where this dream started and how you managed to manifest it? Yep. So it started when our kids were in middle school, we decided we were going to take a sabbatical during the summer. It was something my husband's job offered. And so we took a sabbatical for six weeks and we traveled with our kids in a 19 foot trailer that had little pop-out beds on the side in our Ford Flex. So we had three kids and a standard poodle and we were in this teeny tiny little space and we loved it. We loved it. All of us loved it. Well, maybe not my daughter. She was kind of a teenager at the moment. She wound up sleeping more nights than not. She slept in the back of the flex than in the trailer with us because she was going through a thing, you know. But for the most part, we loved it. And the, we all wanted to do it full time. And surprisingly enough, we had met lots of other families on the road who were doing this full time. Back then, it was probably, you know, in, in the low thousands. Now there are in some of the groups I'm in, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of families that are doing it full time. We were just with a bunch of them last week. Well, time went on, the kids got older and we were trying to organize our jobs to make this possible. And it just didn't happen as quickly as we wanted. This was, you know, almost 10 years ago. So the idea of allowing an employee, my husband is an actuary, he's a mathematician, to convince his company that this was gonna work out okay, that was a little harder back then. I think now post COVID, yeah. Um, you can convince people that, yeah, I can work online. But back then it was tough. So by the time we actually made the dream a reality, it was when the kids were late into high school and we decided we're just going to wait until they're all settled and off to college and doing their own thing. It just made a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. And so we left about two months after we became empty nesters. And so we sold everything, everything except the house. The house didn't sell. So we rented that out and we've been on the road for four years. Holy cow. What a progression. So tell me how it worked as you were, you finally made the decision you were going to make it happen. You had the things right. in place. How did it work as you were progressing toward this dream? Just the process you had to go through with cleaning out your house and you know, where were the unexpected challenges or, or was it smooth sailing because you had the end destination in mind? You know, parts of it were smooth sailing. Parts of it that we thought were going to be tough actually weren't tough at all. We had, for example, been doing research on our perfect rig. So that's insider ling lingo. There are all different kinds of recreational vehicles, RVs, there's motorhomes, they're called class A's or class C's. There's the little vans that are becoming so popular. Those are class B's. I'm in a fifth wheel. So the general term for all of them, if we're talking to each other, is we call them rigs. What kind of rig do you have? <laughs> and so we had spent, oh, months, years going through as many as we could find because we knew we really were going to be in this for a long time. We wanted it to be the perfect setup for us. So I felt like that, that was going to be a challenge. And when we actually moved into the rig, it wasn't hard at all. That was very easy. It was not hard for me to find places for things to organize. And, and that part was easy. I had thought that would be hard. What was really hard was, and I don't mean mentally, I mean physically, it was hard to get rid of all of the stuff. Yeah. We had an estate sale and, and 
we were in an interesting situation. We had a very large house with, you know, four bedrooms, all the kids, whatever. But we also had a 40 by 40 uh, foot pole barn that for the 10 years that we had lived there, everybody and their brother in our family would sneak stuff into this pole barn. It was all finished on the inside. And so anytime we'd go out of town, we'd come home and there'd be a new piece of equipment in there or there would, and we didn't even know who it all belonged to. So when we had our estate sale, I could not believe the magnitude of the stuff we had. And some of it was good. I mean, you know, nice furniture and things, but some of it. So if you're wondering what I'm talking about, I challenge you to go into your kitchen and look in your junk drawer because everybody has a junk drawer and look in there and think, how did that thing get in my house? Like I had things that I was like, who brought this into my house? Like, where did this weird thing even come from? I've never seen it before. You know, you're getting rid of all of that. And it is not easy. Like, and then pricing it all and just, and then, you know, the, the, one of the things that I didn't think that would be hard, that really hard was we had an estate sale. And when we had the estate sale, it was 4,000 square feet of stuff laid out on tables in departments. We had organized it really well. And so I had a lot of help. A lot of friends and family came and helped. And what really killed me was that I would be selling something that somebody had bought for me that was, I don't know, $100 or, you know, something nice. I would have it marked for $5 and just because I needed to get rid of everything. And someone would want it for two. And it re- that really affected me because it affected me because of the whole idea of all the stuff. Like, what do what are we doing that we have all this stuff? But it also affected me that somebody had paid really good money for something and someone else was valuing it at almost nothing. And I had still priced it at almost nothing and they wanted it for even less. And it made me really kind of angry. And made, so I had to actually be removed from that whole process. And I had a sister and a friend who were very good at saying, no, you're not going to get it for $2. You know, you're going to. So that was really emotional to me because some of the things were things that I would have loved to have kept. I just didn't have a place to keep them. And then to have people basically tell me they weren't even worth, you know, a fraction of what I had paid for it, even though, I don't know, it's, it's a hard thing, but I plain, but I think you can probably visualize it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I have a lot of stuff I'd like to get rid of at my house, but it's not going to the dump. It's good for somebody, for something. And you want them to value it, whether it's for free or a couple of bucks or whatever, you know, it's good. I want someone, I want it all to find a good home. So I can understand and appreciate that. And a house that size can get very, very full with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we had, it was hard on the kids too. The one way we handled it with the kids was we gave them basically the biggest totes we could find. They each got three totes in their color. They each had a different color. And we said, you can fill these totes and we will store that for you. And then anything beyond that, you need to find a place for. So some of them already had apartments or whatever, or they got a storage unit or, you know, that was really hard to have to say to them, you're going to really have to pick out what you want. But it turned out that it wasn't as hard for them as I thought it would be. I couldn't believe some of the stuff that they got rid of, like killed me that they were getting rid of it. But I figured, you know, this is a good process for them to start early in life because we tend to accumulate a lot of things for a reason that isn't because we love them or love it. And so, yeah, they didn't have as much trouble with it as I did. It is a really good training exercise for youngsters because 
yeah, you just hang on to stuff. I know I have. And I'm like, why is this here? But it's such an yep. effort to get rid of everything. So there's a story. I think we save a lot mm-hmm. of things too, because there's a story. We remember the person who gave mm-hmm. it to us. We yep. remember the expression on someone's face when we gave it to them, those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard, even though, you know, those memories aren't really, you know, those are just things you're letting go of, but it's still you get tied up in the emotion and the people behind it and stuff. It's very hard. So how did it feel when you got everything cleaned out? When we got it all said and done, we were all loaded up and we were ready to go and we had done it. Like one of the hardest parts of the whole thing was explaining to everybody we were going to do this. Our kids were completely on board because they always had been. They thought it was amazing. Our friends and family, not so much. We were both from the area. We had a lot of friends and family. Our parents both lived there, grandparents, whatever. But we had gotten through all of that and we left on Labor Day weekend. And in Minnesota, Labor Day weekend is a cabin weekend. Everybody goes up north, which is sort of what we say. We, everybody goes up north. And we were all alone and we were in the driveway to our house. We were loading up and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I looked at my husband and I said, what, what are we doing? Like everything's gone. Everything is gone. The renters are literally moving in as soon as we get out of the driveway. And I said, I don't think I can do this. And he he looked at me and said, I'm not sure that we have a choice. Like we have have nothing and we have renters and we have a lease. And so I, you know, I got through that. I really, it was a very, very strange feeling because we had gotten there. Like we made it, we did it. And all of a sudden, I just had this, oh my gosh, what have I done feeling? And we drove out and we turned at the mailbox and I was still kind of doing okay. Like you're just putting one foot in front of the other. You got to do the sale. You got to go to the dump. You got to do all the things. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's done. We load up, we're driving down the driveway. And it was when we turned and went in front of our mailbox out onto the road. And I literally felt like somebody punched me in the stomach. And that was when I said, what do we, I can't do this. What are we doing? And it was because I had waited at the bus stop. That was where we caught the bus. The kids did for all of those years. And it wasn't walking through their empty bedrooms. It wasn't getting rid of the play set. It wasn't doing any of those things. It was that mailbox. And I just lost it. And so of course, as husbands are tend to do, you know, like, well, there's nothing he could do except just keep driving. And, you know, get down the road a little ways. We got to our first campground that night and I was fine and I was excited and I was elated and I've never looked back since. But it really took me by surprise because I'm not a particularly emotional person. I'm not really tied to things or wasn't at all tied to that house. The house needed a lot of work and it was big and it was a lot to maintain. I wanted out. So that really took me by surprise. And I realized how easy it would have been if we hadn't had renters sitting there waiting. We could have said, okay, well, you know, let's just camp in the driveway for a week and see how this feels. And we might never have left, but we've gotten to a point where we had to leave. So I think that that probably happens more often than we realize that get right before we get to the dream, right before Mm -hmm. our hard work is realized when given the option, it's pretty easy to step back and say, nope, this is scary. I'm out. It's actually, I understand when you're completely pushing out of your comfort zone and kind of leaving your old identity behind, 
It's called disintegration anxiety because your brain is really having an attack, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't want you to go into that unknown territory. So it is common, I think, that we like put on the brakes, the signal that a lot of us just put on the brakes and stop right there because we start getting really anxious or, yeah, scared and what am I doing and questioning and self-doubt and, oh my goodness, thank goodness that that was not an option. Right? Because I'd probably still be in Minnesota. And Minnesota's awesome. It's great. But the experiences that we've had on the road and, and that, I've never looked back. I mean, we have had a great time. And, and the other thing I realized is as we were driving away and I, you know, my mind is going a million miles a minute. I had a lot of people watching me that I didn't know at the time as much as I even know now, but I was representing their dream of being able to do it. And if I could do it, then they might be able to do it. And if I had quit, that would have been the, well, she, you know, okay. It, she worked at it really hard and it didn't work. So I'm not even going to try. And I have now I've had people explain that to me after the fact that, you know, they were watching me. I had a lot of friends. I do a lot. I'm having an online business. And so I have in a lot of professional groups and other people were hoping, you know, like they were living through my experience. Wow. So do you know anyone who said since then that they took the plunge? Oh, in my, some of the groups that I'm in. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people now that are on the road, especially since COVID, right? Because all of a sudden it became okay. Businesses were okay with their employees going on the road. Some of them don't even know their employees are traveling technically. Um, Right. And so, yeah. So I think people are starting, people can, in my circle have said, okay, she did it. Tracy and Brett did it. And I might do it the same way. I might do it a little bit differently, but it's something that's possible and that I can think about. Yeah, that's so cool. So tell me what some of your favorite things are about your new lifestyle. Well, I love, I actually love that I never know where I am. I mean, if we're in a place long enough, I know where I am. But we're constantly in exploration mode. And so it was hard. I think it it was funny when COVID happened, you know, people all around us were saying, I can't do this. I can't be with my family in this house. It's too small. And we were, ha- we happened to be in Tucson at the time where it was over a hundred degrees. And so we couldn't be outside. Normally when we're in a place, we're exploring, we're hiking, we're trying out the restaurants of the area. We're meeting up with people who we know, you know, from our travels that are in the area. And so when COVID happened, it made me realize, oh my goodness, in our new lifestyle, we never watched TV. We never were like sitting at home. We were out exploring. And prior to that, when we were, you know, parents and living at home, we lived for, you know, like, oh, our show is on or let's binge watch this or let's do that. And, and when COVID happened and we kind of had to do that again, because that's what there was to do, I realized how used to the exploration and adventure that I had gotten into, gotten into the habit of having in this lifestyle and how spoiled, I felt spoiled, but I think that's the way we're designed as humans is to be exploring and to be outside and to be, you know, experiencing new things, not sitting on a couch every night watching the latest Netflix special. And so that's what I really, really love. When we get somewhere, we don't just do the touristy things. We try to stay for several weeks. We rarely move as often as we've been moving right now because we like to go deep. We like to 
really get to know a place and to know when somebody says to us, have you ever been like, oh, have we been there? Let us tell you about some of the cool things we did there. So I imagine my brain's just racing with questions, but I imagine it would be hard to pick a favorite. Can you give me like a top three in your four years of exploring that really, if you haven't been back, you would like to because they were just so fabulous? Spectacular. Yep. Well, my all-time favorite, I don't know that anything will top it, was um, last week at the Balloon Fiesta in Albuquerque. That was astounding. I mean, there's nothing that I've ever done that's like that. And we didn't know what to expect, but it was educational. It was beautiful. We camped, literally we could touch the rig next to us. Normally you're in a pretty good sized site and you can put up chairs and things. We were so close to each other. We could touch the people next to us, but we got to be good friends. It was called a rally. So we knew all we had all signed up together. We were all together and we could walk to the balloons, but then we also had a landing zone where we were parked. So the balloons, when they took off, would land right by our RVs. And so we got to be on the crew and we got to do all kinds of cool things. So that was really, really fun. And I can't wait to go back. Other than that, one of the really cool things we did was we've done a hike in Yellowstone that nobody knew about. It was kind of overgrown and we saw a ton of wildlife. We saw bears and elk and, and it was off the beaten path, which is hard to do in Yellowstone. So that was definitely a favorite. And then hiking in the Virgin Narrows. The Virgin River is a river that goes through Utah. It might go through some other states as well, but it definitely goes through Utah. And the hike is in the water. And so you're hiking in the river between canyons. Wow, that Mm -hmm. is unique. I haven't heard of that. That's very cool. Wow. That was one of the most unusual things we've done. And it was funny because I am only five feet tall. And so it said in there that you might need to carry children. And I had like, I didn't have a purse, but I had my backpack. I didn't have my camera or my phone. My husband had those because he's a little taller. But there were areas where I literally had to swim because the river, right now we've been in a drought. So it, this was not the last few years. This was a while ago. I had to swim and to just for a short distance until I could get to where I could touch the floor of the river again. Super cool experience. You can't do it very often because it has to be a certain time of the summer where the water's not too cold and it's not too high. And, but definitely that was a don't miss experience. You know, it's always the things that are like not as popular. When we do the popular things that everybody raves about, it kind of feels like it's the commercial version of something and it's the same experience everybody else has had. So we tend to really stay away from those and seek out the things that are a little bit different. Your own adventure, your own path. Mm -hmm. So cool. Well, so do you have any words of wisdom for anyone thinking about making this kind of move, like your top, you know, top tip or the thing you learned you wish you knew before you started, anything like that? So the top tip, I guess, would be really do your research, really understand how you're going to live and how, you know, what kind of traveling are you going to do? So not everybody does RV traveling. There's a lot of people who are nomads and they go from Airbnb to Airbnb. I have a good friend who does that or they'll travel Europe or so really think about what makes the most sense to you. If you don't want to have to dump your sewer using a sewer hose, you know, think Christmas vacation, I think it is where they're dumping the sewer um, in that movie. 
if that's not your thing, if you don't want to drive a big rig and go through what it takes to learn how to safely drive a big rig, then maybe this lifestyle isn't for you, but maybe going from Airbnb to Airbnb is great for you. So think about how you like to travel. And then think about, you know, in terms of when we were looking for our RVs, I was mentioning to you, ours actually has two bedrooms in it, so we can have one as an office. So kind of think about how you're going to use the space. It's really easy to get caught up in what's pretty, but you need to think about what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. From a practical standpoint, you need to know your Wi-Fi options. Wi-Fi is always our biggest problem. And I book, if I'm going to do podcasts or Zoom calls or whatever, I book those, I batch them for when we're in a big city and I know I'm going to have good Wi-Fi. Last week, we had no water, no electricity, no sewer, no Wi-Fi. So, so you kind of have to be aware of that. In the last year, we've seen a lot of people coming out onto the road thinking like, well, I have Wi-Fi at home. How is it I don't have Wi-Fi here? And the reality is there are big portions of the country where you, there just isn't Wi-Fi. So that's something you really need to think about in terms of how you're going to travel. We found that out in Canada too. Canada does Wi-Fi or internet completely differently than we do in the U.S. And so you just need to know what that system is and how to work with it. Right. So those are some of the big things. And then if you want to have an online business, you kind of have to think about, okay, so what does that mean? It would be very easy for me having my own business to work morning till night and never get to be outside. And, you know, my husband works for a company, so he has set hours and he's done when he's done. And so you have to be very intentional if you're going to have an online business and it's your own business to decide beforehand what is that going to look like? Because if you don't, pretty soon you're never getting outside. You're never doing the thing. And it starts to really weigh on you. And you think, why did I do this? Right. It's so interesting because in my mind, thinking about, you know, one day doing something like that, it was before all of the remote work. And I was mm-hmm. thinking retirement. That's when people do things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But they don't have to wait anymore. It's, right. It's incredible what all of the remote working situations has opened up, but you do need Wi-Fi. You do need Wi-Fi. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it was really interesting. Our first year on the road, people were very skeptical of us. If we pulled into a campground in the middle of the week, we were definitely the youngest people around (laughs) and they were skeptical. Like, you're retired, or they didn't believe we were actually working. My mom and dad still, I mean, I think post-COVID now they understand, but they're like, what kind of scam are you running? Like, how are you traveling all over the country? And you're not, that's not real work. Um, (laughs) Don't you have to work for a living? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. My dad will always call me and say, even when we're with them, because they're in Arizona, we spend time with them in the winter. They'll walk right up to us when we're on the computer and they'll say, are you working? Like, yes, this is work. I'm on a computer. This is work. So But I think that that has changed a lot. And now if you're in a resort or a campground area, you'll notice it's pretty quiet around here during the day. And then at night, you see all the people out walking their dogs and they're more our age. I think it's definitely a trend. And we also have heard a lot of stories. We'll have a lot of people come up to us and say, yeah, we wanted to be full time after we retired and we got on the road and six months later, my husband died of a heart attack. Or, you know, my wife's not with me anymore or whatever. And so we're so glad we're doing it now. And we always said we'd stop when we became grandparents. But our daughter got married during COVID and decided, this is pretty good life. Had a baby. So now we are grandparents, but we have no plans to stop. Um, In my mind, grandparents were old people. And so (laughs) we're going to just keep on going. Exactly. Good Good for you. That's so awesome. 
So you obviously do remote work. Why don't you tell everyone what you do that has enabled you to have this wonderful nomad life and how to connect with you? So I help people who want to have or already have a course or a membership online. I help them do a launch, which means that they kind of open it up for enrollment to the people on their email list. And I also help with the technology part of setting up the email list and connecting all the tech dots. And my company is actually called launchtechmadeeasy.com. And it's fun. I meet people because most of the people I meet Mm -hmm. are online. And so I found a lot of really great networking opportunities, just walking the dog or going to the dog park in the morning. And yeah, I love tech. I love talking tech. And I have a lot of really awesome articles designed to, they're just free on my website to help people who are interested in getting started online and giving them some resources on what to consider and how to decide what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Awesome. That's so great. Thank you for sharing that. That's so funny. You're networking at the mobile park or whatever. (laughs) Oh, the times we live in. That's incredible. Exactly, right? I love it. Hey, (laughs) anyone can be a customer. You never know who you're running into. You never know, right? That's incredible. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for sharing your story and your time today and connecting with our audience here. I think A lot of people are going to be very inspired by your story and start making plans. Yeah. Sounds good. You know what? You can start out small, go on a long trip. That's what we did Mm -hmm. the first time. See if you even like it, you know, and if it's not for you, it's not for you, but I encourage people to try it and see if they can get out there because it's a lot easier than you think. Once you figure out where all the junk came from that you have to sell. Once you get rid of all the junk, (laughs) all the stuff, all the stuff. That's incredible. I've got to say, I'm, I don't want to say I'm not envious. I'm, what's the word? Just inspired. What's the word? Just the idea of just being rid of all that stuff. It's just, it's such a goal for me. It's a life goal. really. (laughs) You know, and it changes the way you look at things. Every single thing that comes into the door of this RV Mm -hmm. means either something else has to go out or I like it enough and want it enough to make a place for it. And it's such a freeing feeling to know that we can pack up everything we own in 20 minutes and go wherever we want. Incredible. Yeah. I've heard that, you know, a lot of clutter really weighs you down. And so Mm -hmm. you must feel really footloose and fancy free now. Yeah, we do. That's incredible. All right. Well, thank you for joining us this afternoon. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make it a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. If you're like most women, you have a big dream on your heart and really want to make a positive impact in the lives of others. But self-doubt, fear, or other limiting beliefs often get in your way. What many women don't realize is that the one thing that can catapult them forward is deepening their self-love and self-esteem. So I have a free ebook for you that's really going to help you in this area. It's called 30 Days to Deepen Self-Love, and you can download it at the link in our show notes. Enjoy. Enjoy.